Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. Second Peter chapter one. We'll be over in Second Peter chapter one. You've got a children's pastor up here, so I've been in, we've been talking in junior church about, um, about growing and about growing up as little kids and growing up into adults. So you're going to get what's on my heart and what's on my mind and what I feel like the Lord has for us this morning. I'm going to leave Romans to Joel. That's a deep dive, and I'm, I'm loving it, but I'm going to leave it to Joel, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with something I know. Second Peter chapter 1. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, we know that he was a one end of the spectrum to the other. He oftentimes would have his foot in his mouth after he said something that he got all ramped up about and would say something that he regretted. But he did make some very good statements whenever he admitted that Jesus was the Christ. Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. That was a high moment in his life and in his following of God. But then there were also low moments. Jesus, before he died on the cross, was giving some final words to his disciples. And he said this, to Peter. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. That was what Jesus commended Paul to do, was to strengthen the brethren. We're here in 2 Peter, a book written by Peter. This is after Jesus has died and gone to heaven. And Peter is obeying that command of God to strengthen the brethren. And what Peter goes through here is going to help us grow. He's going to strengthen our faith if we'll let it. We're going to read these verses and then we will, we will pray. So if you're there in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 5, we'll begin reading. And besides this... Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll come back to that word knowledge later. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. That'd be a sad thing if we forgot what the Lord had done for us. Forgetting that Jesus had purged us from our old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, giving, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. That's an absolute statement that... We don't get a lot of, but here we do have that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would bless this time together. I pray that you'd help us as we go through these words, Lord, that you gave Peter to give to us, that we would grow, that we would find ways to strengthen our faith and to learn more about the knowledge of you so that we might never 
fall. Thank you for all that you do, and I thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know how you are, and it may be a long time since you've taken a test, and they may be thankful for that. You may have just had a test last week, and you may be thinking, I wish I didn't have a test. But whenever I would take a test, there's a section, almost everything you ever take, is the true and false section. And though you either love those or you hate them, it's either the best thing because you've got a 50-50 shot, you don't even read the question, you just mark true, false, true, false, and then hope you get about half of them right. Or you're like me and you read the question and you think, okay, I don't really know the answer to this question, but I'm going to study the words that the questionnaire asked and see what do I think they're asking. If they use an absolute statement, this never happens most of the time that's going to be false because what rule doesn't have an exception? They try to tell you in grammar all the time that there's no exception to this rule, and then two years later you realize, oh wait, there is a little exception, but they just didn't want to tell you. Whenever there's an absolute statement of this never happens, usually there's an exception to that rule. So on that question, I usually mark false. Or if they say the opposite, if this always happens, usually there's an exception. They're trying to trick you up. Unless your teacher specifically said this never happens or this always happens, there's an exception. Here, we have a statement that there is no exception to. If you look at verse 10 there, Peter gives us this. That is an absolute statement at the end of the verse there. For if you do these things, that list that we just read through, ye shall never fall. And that's coming from Peter who did fall at one point. When Jesus was on the cross, he denied Jesus three times. He had a huge pitfall and had fallen in his walk. So coming from someone who did fall and had been giving this inspiration of God, telling us how we can avoid those things, I think we should listen up. At the end of the book, 2 Peter 3.17 says this, the reason this book was written, and it was this encouragement that Christ gave him to strengthen the brethren, 2 Peter 3.17 says this, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Paul is seeking that the other disciples, he's writing this letter to then, and that Christians for generations to come, that's us right now, would be able to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Because I'll tell you this, the more you know about Jesus, the more you're going to want to be like him. The more that we dig into God's character and dig into this person that saved us, the more we're going to fall in love with him and realize how good he truly is. So what are those things that we can grow in? What are those things that we can add to our faith that will keep us from falling? Well, he says to add to your faith. That faith is started when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you begin that relationship with God, but it's not supposed to start there. This illustration of growth is often used as a plant. If we have a tree and it starts off as a little sapling just the size of your pinky it's not supposed to stay that way forever in junior church we've been joking that it would be really funny if brother jared still drank coffee out of a baby bottle things aren't supposed to stay small when they begin they're supposed to grow and as our faith started yes it does start small and we start this relationship with jesus and we begin to put our faith in him but it doesn't stop there if it does that's a surefire way for our faith to fall because we're trying to live a mature Christian life when we don't have the maturity as a Christian. So what are those things that we can add? He gives us this list. The first thing he has there is virtue. I've here written down moral goodness, justice, but then also an element of courage. It's not something that can be taken lightly. 
our faith that we have, the truth that is given to us in God's word and the truth that we've learned from God, those are things that we have to stand firm on. Your opinion on a lot of things doesn't matter. If you say that Starbucks is better than Dunkin', you are right, but that's not something you have to stand courageously on. Now, maybe this Dunkin' down the road is just brand new, so it may still be good, but give it a couple years and I'd say it's going to go downhill fast. You can have a very strong opinion on a lot of things, and a lot of times we put out there that they're more important than they are. But the things that we learn in the Bible, those things are the things you need to go to seed on. Those are the things that you can stand for because the truth that we find in the Bible is God's truth, and that's truth. Now, Starbucks is, that's real close, but it doesn't meet that level of what God's truth is. We have to stand for, right? It's a commitment to be like Christ because at the end of the day, whenever we come to the end of our Christian life, we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So it doesn't matter if you stand for Starbucks or stand for whatever else. What is going to matter at the end of our life is whether we stood virtuously for the things of God. Knowledge is the next thing in this list. What is knowledge? That's that moral wisdom, knowing what is right. How do you know what's right? Well, this world has a warped definition of right and wrong. It's going to change over the years that our culture changes and shifts. So does right and wrong shift? Well, no, it doesn't. Right and wrong is based on the morality of God, and we find that, once again, in the Bible. If we're basing our life, basing our decisions on anything other than the Bible, we're going to be wishy-washy, and we're not going to be able to stand courageously and have that virtue because we don't know what to stand on. But if we're basing our knowledge and we're growing in our knowledge of what God says is right and wrong, that's when we can stand firm on those things. Walking in the truth that God has given us will pr produce a strengthened confidence in the truth of the Bible. James 1.5 says this, how do you know that you can grow in this knowledge? Well, God says that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. God doesn't expect us to know everything. When we start as that little baby sapling and our faith has just started, God doesn't expect you to know everything. He made the barrier for salvation the bare minimum. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. That's all he requires for salvation. And after that, you open up a world of blessings that God wants to give you to grow your faith. And all it is is continuing, adding to that faith. We have virtue. We have knowledge. Next is temperance, that self-control, keeping those sinful things that you have in your life, that flesh that we're trying to grow out of and grow into our faith sticking to the faith and growing out of those things. Teaching us, Titus 2.12 says this, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly, worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Something that, as baby Christians, we may not do. But as we grow, God gives us that power to overcome things that are in our life. And as we mature, those things are less and the things of God are more. The next thing we see is patience, it's steadfastness, steadfastness, constancy, and endurance. The ability to stand for a period of time. Whenever a storm comes and blows those saplings over, sometimes it can rip them out of the ground if they're not rooted and grounded. The same thing can happen to us as Christians. Is as we get older and as we grow in this faith, our roots are supposed to get deeper. 
and our faith is supposed to become stronger so that whenever those things come, you think of the parable of the sower and the seeds that throughout, if there's rocky ground, if there's hard ground, that's not going to take root. Whenever those winds come, whenever those storms come, they aren't going to stand. And so what Peter is telling us here is how can we strengthen those roots? How can we grow in our faith? We have patience there. Patience is something that it's a dangerous prayer to pray. Because if you say, Lord, give me patience, he may make you a children's pastor where you have 120 kids on a Sunday morning and you got to keep them all entertained. Patience is something that, how do we get patience? It's through trials and it's through testing. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. We gain this through tribulations. James 1 says this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That's not the natural reaction, is to just be, woo, so excited that something is happening that's going to work your patience. But if we have this thousand-foot perspective of this is the way that God is going to grow my faith, because I know something, that if I didn't have any tribulations, if I didn't have any trials, and I didn't realize my need for God, I'd still be that little baby Christian, that little baby sapling that had no depth, that had no relationship with God. And so even though those trials are going to be hard, something to work through, even though there's going to be things that may not be my favorite, whenever we see it like this, that this is the way that God is going to grow me, this is how I'm going to realize more of God's character, what are we talking about? Learning the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That first knowledge, the first introduction you get to Jesus is salvation. And you realize your need for a Savior and you ask Him to save you. That is the start of relationship. But if it ends there, you are missing out on an infinite amount of God's character. So as He takes you through those trials, as you develop that patience, that endurance through trials, that is how we learn more about God. This is a, a powerful statement by a Bible commenter as I was reading. Owning that our sufferings are less than our sins deserve and believing they are no more than we ourselves need. You realize that we deserve infinitely more than any trial that we could have in this life. That's one half of it. We deserve far worse than anything that this life can produce. But also realizing that if God can use that to grow us closer to him, why wouldn't we bring that on? Why wouldn't we say, count it all joy? That's obviously not the perspective that any human can keep throughout the entire tribulation. But our hope would be that we can look back and even while we're in the midst of it, look and see that that's what God had planned and that's how God is going to grow us. That next section is godliness. Reverence, respect, piety to God, godliness. We partake in the nature of God. Becoming sons of God, whenever we got saved, we're supposed to grow more like Jesus, less of us and more like him. All of these things are things that we grow up into as Christians. Our likeness should reflect God. The longer we're walking with God, it would make sense if, you're, if you have a friend and you're walking alongside with them and they are right with God and they love Starbucks and you're a Dunkin' person, the longer you go, you may branch out and go to Starbucks once. I don't know why all my illustrations are going to be coffee this morning, but we're going to roll with it. You're going to start going to Starbucks every once in a while and they may get you to try something and then you think, ah, oh, you know what, 
it is a little bit better. It is a little bit better than that thing I get from Dunkin'. So then they start to go more and more. You're going to be like your friends. The more time you hang out with someone, the more time you spend with someone, the more you will become like them. So wouldn't it make sense that if we're starting a relationship with God, our life does not reflect what God wants it to be, that the more time we spent with God, as our years go on learning who God is and becoming like him, that years down the road we would become more like God? That should be our desire, is that God is what we want to reflect our lives after. Is there someone in your life, you think with me, and I have someone in my mind, that you admire their walk with the Lord? You see that person, you think, I know that they have a strong walk with God, and they make decisions that I want to reflect my life after. Well, that person has the same salvation that you do, and has the same blessings of God that you do. A statement that often convicts me is that you're as close to God as you want to be. Think about that for a second. You're as close to God as you want to be. That person that you look up to, and the, the, a preacher is who I have in my mind, that person that I look up to is saved by the same grace that I am, has the same God that wants to be as close to him as he wants to be with me. And so any lack of relationship that I have with God, any closer that I want to be to God is, is really on me to pursue that relationship and to grow in these things and to strengthen my faith. God wants us to be close to him. At some point, we have to realize that those people that we look up to have the same God, have the same salvation, have the same opportunities that we do. It's up to us to take God up on this offer to grow closer to him. At some point, all of us have had someone we look up to, whether it's a sports player, whether it's a celebrity, whether it's a preacher, whether it's whoever it might be. We have someone we look up to. At some point, everyone in this world is human, and they're going to fall. They're going to disappoint you in some way. So if you have someone you're looking up to, you just keep that in mind because it's about a sure thing that they're not perfect. It is a sure thing that they're not perfect, but it's about a sure thing that they're going to disappoint you in some way. That's right. But God is someone that is never going to disappoint. We're talking about growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if he is on your pedestal, if he is the person you look up to, the more you get to know God, the more you learn about him, the more you're going to realize there's nothing wrong. The more you realize how deep his love for you is, the more you realize how much he cares for you, there, that is an endless well. You're never going to get to the end and think, oh, wow, I've got it all figured out. And that's something we can praise God for because there is no end to his goodness. Next, we have brotherly kindness. What is this? The love of brothers and sisters, the love that we have one for another. This is something that we've been talking about in junior church, too, is God gave us this one characteristic as what Christians are supposed to be known for. Jesus said this, John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Jesus said this is the one thing that when people in the world are talking about Christians, this is the one thing I want you to be known by. And he didn't say wearing a suit and tie at church. He didn't say meet once a week on Sunday morning at 10. He said this, if ye have love one to another, showing that love to our brothers and sisters in Christ. I think about myself. Am I showing that love to others in a way that someone else on the outside, if they look in and they think, wow, he did that for someone in his church? Is, that, is the love that I'm showing to others displaying a 
love that isn't found anywhere else. Because I think we all agree in here that we have been shown a love by God that hasn't been shown anywhere else. And so if the world doesn't see that through us, where are they going to see it? There's another passage when Jesus talks about, it's no big thing to love someone who loves you. It's no big deal for me to thank someone who gives me a, a gift card. It's no big deal for me to be grateful to someone who is kind to me. What's a big deal is whenever someone treats me wrong and I treat them with love. So an even greater way, what kind of love do I need to be showing to my brothers and sisters in Christ that is going to wow, if we want to use that word, people in the world and impress them to the point that think, wow, there's, there's something different about the way that man treats his friends. Charity is the next word that we have there. And charity is that love to others who, if we're going to contrast them, that aren't our brothers and sisters in Christ. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. God wants us to be known by love. God is a God of love. And he showed us a tremendous amount of love whenever he sent his son to die on the cross for us. That's the, what won us to him. We were enemies with God. But he showed his love to us when he sent his son to die. And that was the start of our relationship. And that's what our relationship is based on. We love God because he first loved us. And that love that won you and, us, you and I over to God is the same love that's going to win others in our community to God. Our theme for the year is the gospel for our city. And we're not going to be able to put together some argument, some apologetic display, presentation that's going to convince someone to come join Franklin Road Baptist Church to accept Jesus as their Savior. What's going to convince people is the same love that convinced you and I. And so we as Christians should be growing in our faith and realize that I can be put out for someone else. I can be put out. I can be sacrificial of my time to show the love of God to someone else. The last three verses say this, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that word knowledge there is different than the one that we saw earlier. Knowledge there is a deeper, fuller knowledge. It's the same word, but it's translated from a different one. The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first is an experiential knowledge. Whenever you get saved and you put your faith in Christ, you have a relationship with God and you've experienced that. This word here is a deeper, fuller, intimate knowledge of that Jesus who saved you. And that is only acquired by walking with him, by experiencing more of what he wants to give you, of that grace that's given to you so that you realize, wow, I am yay far from wherever I started. I know that I'm a changed person because I know how unsaved Jared would have reacted to this situation. But I get to this point, I say, wow, that's, that's not my natural reaction anymore. And I know it wasn't me. I realize this grace that God's given me and realize that that is what God wants to do more of, that God wants to grow us. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. As soon as we forget what God has done for us is when we're completely off track. 
Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. You want to know the best way to have assurance of your salvation? Is to continue in the walk that God wants you to have. It's no wonder that I, as a teenager, struggled with this for a long time. That you're going to doubt that God had saved you because you're not growing and exercising that salvation that God has given you. If you get saved and stay that way, there should be growth there. And so if there's not, that's, that's going to cause some doubt. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. The more you know Jesus, the more you will want to be like him. You can search as deep as you want. You can find as much about God as you want to. But the more you know about God, the more lovely you will realize he is. And the more you will want to be like him. Peter is following this command of Jesus to strengthen the brethren in this passage. And that's what we've been looking at, is how to strengthen our faith. That strength is not going to come from within us. It's not going to be some motivational speech that convinces us to live a life that pleases God. The strength to live a life that pleases God is going to become, it's going to come when we realize how good God is. And when we grow in that knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and realize how good he is to us, and realize how able he is to help us overcome the obstacles that we have in our life, that is when we're going to get to the end of our life and realize that we didn't fall. Not because it was anything within us, but because God is able to keep us. The more you know Jesus, the more you'll want to be like him. So that's what's been encouraging me the past, this has been a thought for the past couple months, is that I want to grow in my knowledge of, our, of my Savior. And my prayer would be that I do, and my prayer would be that we all do follow this journey of knowing and learning this Jesus that saved us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the time here. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.